welcome back to episode six of the new season of Bunning Business. We hope you enjoyed our episode with former Tigers Inc. member Kyle Becker. If you haven't listened to that, go ahead and take a listen. I'm Chase Gibson. I'm Michael Dukoski. And we have a very, very special guest for you today. Obviously, uh, Michael is back, so I'm not doing the intros. We'll let him uh, take it away. Thank you, Chase. He's a captain for the Indian Hill Rangers. He's my old basketball coach and a proven leader in the Loveland and Cincinnati communities. He is Mike Dressel. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Budding Business. We're here with Mr. Dressel. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. All right. So first, uh, if you just want to take the opportunity to introduce yourself, uh, what you do, some of your interests and your hobbies, stuff like that. Sure. Um, my name is Mike Dressel. Uh, currently, I am the assistant chief at the Indian Hill Rangers Police Department, which is close by. Um, I've been there uh, 23 years. I'm currently uh, the I'm a captain is my rank. I'm the in charge of criminal investigation section. Um, I've been a cop for 33 years. I worked previously in the Village of Golf Man, which is also in Cincinnati. And uh, previous to that, I was a uh, firefighter for the city of North for seven years and a paramedic there. And I'm also still a paramedic for Tri-Health Event Medicine, which is like Reds, FC Cincinnati, all the arts venues. Um, last night, I worked a little Mary J. Blige. Um, I, I live here in Loveland. Both my kids go to Loveland High School. Um, Nick goes from home. Grace is a junior here. Um, my interests are I work a lot. So I yeah. hope that covers it. That yeah, does. That's, perfect. that's perfect. Is this so talking? We're kind of going to jump right into it here. We're talking about like law enforcement stuff. You talked about being a paramedic, uh, being a, a chief executive at uh, Indian Hill as, as a ranger. Is this always like when you grew up? Is this what you knew you wanted to do? Not even close. Really? Um, believe it or not, uh, when I was about 10 years old, I wanted to be a doctor. Um, I had a pediatric, I was kind of born messed up. So my, um, I went to this little old man over in uh, Avondale. And uh, he, when I was really bad off, he would meet my parents on Sunday. How many doctors work on Sunday, right? <laughs> so when I had a real bad issue, he would meet us at his office, which was just a house. And he would take care of me. And I thought, you know what? That's pretty cool. And uh, I wanted to be a doctor. And up until I was a senior in high school, I had the grades. Uh, I was going to go to Miami University. And uh, my mom got cancer. So I decided to withdraw from Miami and go to UC. And she passed away my freshman year at UC. So I kind of, kind of, you know, obviously school fell by the wayside. I waited a little bit, got a job. And fate led me into working for Golf Manor as a dispatcher. And then here I am, 33 years later, you know, yeah. I'm a cop and all that. So kind of fate led me that way. Yeah. So you said you started out as a dispatcher. Mm -hmm. So that's like people call in and you're the one answering. Yeah. Like, At that know, little, what's your emergency? Yeah. Golf yeah. Manor is a tiny, tiny village, right? But it, it was, it, it was a, it's full of stuff, right? It was, yeah. it was a very diverse community, which was great for me because I grew up in Norwood. Um, you have, uh, it was an old Jewish community, African-American community. So... When I went in there at 21 years old, I learned that I was just thrown in and I learned a lot. And I'm answer I was dispatching police, fire, and EMS. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it was a great, it was a great learning experience. Yeah, and you said you've been doing this for like 33 years. I started said? there in 1989 as the dispatcher, and yeah. they were short police officers. So I went to the police academy in 1990, okay. and then they hired me as a police officer. Wow. So what's your journey been like moving up to the ranks? Because obviously you're not gonna the uh, assistant chief, the Indian Hill Rangers uh, on day one. So like what, 
how how'd you kind of move up that, that so ladder there? People always think, well, I want to be, you know, if you ever hear anybody, they'll think, I want to be a detective or I want to be a crime scene guy. Yeah. Well, everybody starts out in a regular police department when you're a patrol officer, right? Mm-hmm. You come in, you put on a uniform, a gun belt, and you answer radio runs, people's calls for service. And really, if you're going to be a cop today, that's what you need to be thinking. You're going to go out, help people, you're going to do whatever you can to make the world a better place, right? Some of it's good, some of it's not so good, because in today's environment, we all know that police officers really aren't the good guys like they were when I started, and that's the big difference. But, and then you, you like, you know, okay, somebody retired, well, that creates a vacancy. Everybody's going to move up, as we always joke, right? Like, my plane goes down yesterday, everybody moves up. That's wow. the joke. Yeah. It's a joke, but it's funny. So, <laughs> um, so the first time... And in Indian Hill, I had been there seven years, and somebody retired, and a lieutenant spotted them. And we all we all tested, and there's a testing process you go through, written, oral interviews, you and evaluations are considered in, and I happen to lucky luck out and get that. Mm-hmm. And then same thing for each position above you. Okay, that's how it goes. Okay, so talking about what Michael just said, being an assistant chief at at Indian Hill. What are like are there like benefits to like having the higher position? Like, what do you is there like a difference between only rank is only worth what you do with it. Okay. Like there are people that want the rank for, and it's that's in any job. Forget the rank part of it. Yeah. As you move up, you take on a lot more responsibility because you're responsible for the people below you, and they don't work for you; they work with you. You work with them, not for. Nobody works for you. You work with people, no matter yeah. whether they're above you or below you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what you have to remember. You, it's it's my job to work to serve the people that work with me, whether you know, where they are in the organization. So as I move up, you no, know, it has gotten much more difficult because I have a lot more responsibility to the people that in rank are below me. Yes, they're no less important. They're more important because actually they're the ones out on the street, yeah, interacting with everybody, and that's how people judge our department. Um, I'm the one back in my office. Now, yeah, I'm doing. I'm running criminal investigations, but I'm also an administrator when it comes to budget and scheduling. And when somebody calls to complain about somebody, that's what we handle in the that nobody knows about. So, in any business, you know, you could have somebody says, "Well, I'm the CEO," but if he's not really doing his job as a leader in the in the in the uh, in the business, then he's not he's he's no good to the, to that business. So, okay. yeah, and um. You talked about how, like, what you do individually is you kind of, like you said, you are um, criminal investigation, mm-hmm. kind of in-office stuff. So how how's the dynamic with working with a team at the Indian Hill Rangers? Like, what's what's that like, the teamwork aspect of it? Well, people laugh. They say, Indian Hill, what kind of crime do you have? You know, what do you have, like, garbage cans you get stolen or mailboxes? Well, think about it. If you were a criminal, put your criminal masks on right now, and you were thinking, you know what? I want to steal something really valuable. Where'd you go? Right? Okay. You're not going to go to, you know, some podunk little city way, way out in the sticks because they're not going to have valuable things. So you go to Indian Hill and you take your chances. The prison sentence is the same. So why wouldn't you take your chance? So we do have crime, um, but we also have, you know, folks have alarms and they have bigger estates and they have fences and they have the kind of defenses, you know, in place. But, um, you know, we just had a car stolen the other night. Uh, we've had, we get cars going, going through all the time. We have burglaries. We have those kind of crimes. So we just have a small investigative unit. It's me and uh, two detectives. And so I don't, I don't sit back and be, all right, you go do that, you go do that. 
when we work together, they might, one of them might go check on one case and another the detective and I might go do an interview. Like I just got a call from the detective that's working now. He said, hey, we had a car run through, but we got a tip that a guy recovered some property over in Blue Ash. I'm going to go get it. Okay. And I don't, I don't, I don't micromanage. I, I say, I trust you. You're experienced police officers. Go do your job. Mm-hmm. You don't have to call me. And so it's kind of, it's, it's, a, it's three pretty much equals except for the rank part, trying to do a job, get, get, get the job done. Yeah. So I mean, that makes sense. I mean, it's interesting that you talked about like Indian Hill, uh, I, when I drive over to Little Miami Golf Course, Chase, I know. Oh yeah, I know. They drive there all the time. So he's on the golf team, but um, yeah. I go right through Indian Hill, and there's always this one house that I see, and it's like, it's got this garage kind of thing that's like all like glass walls all around, just showcasing this Ferrari. Yeah, and it's like this, I mean, dream car, everyone's dream <laughs> yeah. car, and I'm like, oh man, they're just showcasing that to everyone. So yeah, once you try to get in there, it's gone. Yeah. You'll never get it out of there. Yeah. yeah. But if I had that car, it would be for show. But you know what? It's protected. It's not going anywhere. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Indian Hill Rangers protect that (laughs) car right there. Yeah. But um, switching over a little bit, uh, what are some of the general like pros and cons that you have gotten personally, they've witnessed personally from law enforcement? Um. Most people would start with the cons because, unfortunately, the job will make you somewhat of a cynic over that long time, right? Mm-hmm. You just have to. Um, but the pros are if you can maintain a little bit of uh, optimism is you're still there for folks. Um, I will get calls on myself from people I've come across over the years that are, hey, would you mind? No, I don't mind. You know what? That's why I gave you my cell number. If you need something, you, you call. And... Uh, it's those little things. It's the little things. It's never the big things. It's, never, it's always the, hey, I remember when you did this for me. Well, I didn't do it so you could thank me. I did it because it was, the, it was what my mom and dad taught me, right? Mm-hmm. You've, if, you're, if you're raised by good parents, you'll always do the right thing. Never do it for the glory or the act or the act of the award. You do it because you can put your head on the pillow at night. Yeah. Right? I mean, a lot of people don't get that today, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cons are I am a bit of a cynic. I have a tendency to walk in, like my, my wife, you know her, Jill, yep. she will, she laughs at me to this point. When we go to a restaurant, I always have to have my back to the door. I have to see what's going on. Every cop does the same thing. You, you, he will sit and I have to serve. I, she's like, is this ever going to go away? I said, honey, it'll be this way till the day I die. It will always be. We are taught, imagine this, a traffic stop. When we stop a car. Before and I never liked traffic. I never loved giving. I never liked tickets. Only to the people that needed it really, really bad because they were doing stupid stuff. Not you know. I never liked it. Everybody's like, "Why did you do this? Why did you do that?" Because I want to go home at night. I don't want to be the guy on the news like, "Oh, we lost an officer because he was stupid." You have to. I don't know who's in that car. I don't care. It's not about race. It's not about anything. It's about I can't tell who's in that car, and I don't know what you just did. And I'll never really know. You can tell me whatever you want to know. And that's the kind of thing that people will never understand. And we can't educate them until they've done the job. So the con is that after years and years and years of that building up and you saying, why you stopped me because I'm this or uh, of this of this. No, I stopped you because believe me, I have been, I'd rather go get a sandwich. You know, yeah. really, I'm hungry. I'd rather go do yeah. this than do this. 
You know, nobody wants to make your life miserable. Now, that's not to say there aren't police officers that enjoy it. We all know there are. But they are a very, very tiny minority. It's just when the minority gets caught, it's publicized yeah, to make exactly. it look like everybody does it. So that's yeah. a big enough con. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it seems like you kind of talked about it. Like it's a big transition. You started this. Sorry. What what, did, what year did you say you started? 89. Law in, the, in law enforcement, 89. Okay, yeah, and now 2022, a lot has changed since then, like the media and everything. It's, I'm yeah, sure exactly. that's. It was like I can remember when I started as a cop. I felt like, man, I'm I'm like I'm the good guy. I want to do. I'm like the Lone Ranger kind of thing. Sure. I'm not even a ranger yet. But and then I'm a firefighter in Norwood, and there's there was nothing cooler than being on a fire truck. And back then they weren't covered like in Norwood. I'm a grunt, so I'm on the back of them. Yeah. They're open. So I'm standing up on a fire truck going 50 miles an hour down Montgomery Road, yeah. putting on my fire coat, putting on my tank. Man, you feel like Superman. Yeah. But now, even the firemen aren't you – know, some people see that badge or that uniform, and they equate it with law enforcement a little bit. And they automatically, oh, why, why are you here? What are you doing? No, we're still the good guys. But for us, it's, it's a million times worse. Yeah. Because unfortunately, when we show up, usually there's something bad going on. Sometimes we take somebody away in handcuffs. They forget they're the one who called. Yeah. Um, it's it's a catch twenty two. It really is. And then the good things that we do, they're not worth publicizing because they don't really garner any ah from the from the from the folks. Yeah. The media is like, well, why would I want to put the, the cop save the dog? That's not a big deal. Yeah. That's not going to get any press. So you're fighting, you're fighting a real uphill battle. Yeah. And, and Michael, I mean, Michael just talked about earlier with, with teamwork and stuff like that. And he talked about kind of evolving, like with media as that evolves too. So are there like, besides those two things, like excluding those two things, are there like soft skills present in law enforcement that you can use like in everyday aspects of life, not just in law enforcement? Explain but like, to me what your idea of soft skills is. I'm talking like skills basically just skills that will help you succeed in the real world, just in general, just I, so I know general skills that are probably evident in law enforcement. Uh, fire. Yeah. You know, Do, like if that. I said, if you can shut your mouth and really listen to somebody, would you consider that a soft skill? I would hundred percent consider that a soft yeah. skill. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'd be empathy. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I mean, empathy, yes, you have to have empathy as a cop, but I'm talking about the simple ability to, Listen to what a person is saying yeah. while not creating your response. Okay. To teach a young cop, if I'm interviewing a bad guy, I should talk 10% of the time in order to give them 90% of the time to talk. If I overdo that, I'm not really achieving my goal to get them to, to tell me what I want to know, right? Mm -hmm. But if I'm sitting here thinking about my answer and not listening to what you're saying, am I really comprehending and processing what you're saying? Because what you're saying may not be the truth, but if I'm really listening to it and looking at your eyes and looking at your body language, I might be able to decipher what the truth is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is a lot. And that can be in anything. Because you know what? Even, even people that are completely not guilty of anything in the world, best people in the world, will lie to a cop every day because we make them nervous. Yeah. We have the uniform. We have the gun. Um, so, yeah. But empathy falls into that. Yeah. I would say once they get over the cowboy I'm a gun badge guy because yeah. I will tell you, you said you might get in the stories. This has to fall into it. When I was a young police officer, I thought, man, I'm, and I was, I was not as fat as I am now. I was strong, young, yeah. not that 
I'm gonna save the world. Amen. <laughs> now I didn't think I was gonna beat people up thing, but I thought, you know what, I'm 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 the man. And I was in a little bit of a tough neighborhood. And I remember a guy was he needed to go to jail. He was a bad dude. And man, he pummeled me in the next week. He didn't care I had a gun. He didn't if I hadn't had other cops show up, he probably would have knocked me unconscious. Because I really didn't take the time to use my brain. I used my mouth. So when I tell, when I talk now to kids, I think about I give given a lot of presentations to Indian Hill School. Yeah. What's the most important thing on my gun belt or on my uniform or what I have with me? And they're all like, oh, your radio, your gun. It's up here in my head. Because it would have saved me a lot of heartbreak when I was young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. so. Yeah, you mentioned it before. I mean, I before the podcast started, I said we might do some stories. But um, <laughs> so what's what are some of the more like eye opening experiences that you've had in law enforcement just throughout your whole career? You already mentioned the one where you've got, you you and the butt know, kickings but, are very yeah. eye opening because you realize that you have to rely on uh, uh, adversity the best way to learn. as they call yeah. it sometimes. Um, you have to rely on the ability to listen. You have to rely on the ability to um, to see through a ton of lies and really look into what's what's really going on. And it's like if you walk into a domestic, you've got a husband and wife. You've, you've been there four times, and you know you're, you're like, okay, what's really? Why are they? Why are they beating on each other all the time? Why am I constantly taking them to jail? And then why does somebody not come to court to prosecute? Um, Let's see, man, eye-opening. Um, you know what? Unfortunately, we deal with a lot of suicide. And you would think that that when I went there, I thought, man, you know, most of these folks are affluent, right? And I'm not going to see a lot of heartache, and that's not true. I, I have seen I've seen a lot of a lot of sad stories of in there and everywhere I've in and as a medic, I, we see a lot of that. And it, there is no there's nowhere that, that type of that doesn't touch. It touches everywhere, and I thought that 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 shocked me. Um, so it tells me that without a support system or without family or without mental health care, you know, it, it rich people aren't any better off than we are. Sometimes maybe they're worse off. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I man, see after th- I, it all comes together so late in the game. Yeah. That's where maybe like Officer Steinkamp might, since he's younger, might have a better story. Yeah. Um, oh man, um, I'm saying um, which I never say in interviews. I, I'm not that good. I do this all the time. Uh, I, 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 I'll tell you what. Ask me another question. Maybe I'll pick some. Yeah, all right. Perfect. What we got here. Um. Okay. So talking about just the community in general, you talked about you've served in a bunch of different towns and townships in Cincinnati. Just overall, like discuss the value of just serving your community and become, I mean, you said when you felt like a young cop, you felt like a hero, like you felt like you could do anything. Mm-hmm. Just, just kind of discuss the value of that. Do you still have that same like mentality? Some value yeah. today? No, there is no, there's always, I still feel, no, I, I don't think it's, I think it's changed. I think I realized that everybody's not going to shake your hand and pat you on the back. That was kind of a, that was a little maybe naive, but yeah. There, I think there's a lot of silent appreciation going on. Uh, there always is. Now, like the joke is, sometimes you know we'll get, somebody will drop off cookies at the ranger station for just I, for the weirdest things. You know, you'll do something and it'll be the tiniest. You'll think they brought off cookies for that. Yeah. But it was. It's like when you get when you maybe get something from your parents, a little a little trinket or a little pat on the back. You'll think 
man, and they don't know how much it meant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, and it, it all comes back to that saying: it's the little things that matter. And that's that's what my chief will always say to the new guys: it's not really you're taking their accent, you're taking this. It's the one time you showed up and the dog was lost, and all of a sudden you brought their dog back. That's their family member. You didn't realize that that's the dog that grandma left them. Or it just yeah. it's, it's a dynamic that you'll never understand. So yeah. I think it's just changed and it's morphed into different things. But no, it's, it's just it's there. And I think every older generation will think the younger generation doesn't understand because we do get skewed by what we see. But I know, especially since I've known him since he was little, yeah. um, it's there. It, we just don't, we choose not to see it. But no, I, yeah, I have it, and I know that the young people have it. We just, we won't appreciate it for a while. Yeah. So. Gotcha. All right. I want to move more into like your own personal involvement with just like, I guess the Loveland community because mm -hmm. your kids go to Loveland, you're, you live in Loveland. So, uh, I mean, before we do that, if you want to go back to the eye opening oh, experience yeah, yeah, question, yeah. if you have any, or also we well, talked about maybe doing some like yes. more entertaining stories. No, if you have you any, made, you made a point. Yeah. I, I will tell you, I, uh, I think, so I left. So at the time, it, this is weird. So, Imagine I'm a full-time firefighter in Norwood. So, you know, firemen work 24 hours, 48 off, right? Yeah. So I was still a cop in Golf Manor. So that happened for seven years in a row. Well, Golf Manor was always short cops. So while I was a part-time cop, I was working pretty much full-time hours or more that whole time. So I would get off the firehouse. At like We would get off at 8. So I might be scheduled for second shift on the road at Golf Manor. Well, the next day I might work first. I could never work third because I had to be at the firehouse the next day. It would work. I did that for seven years. It was great. I'm single, making a ton of money, having a ton of fun. You know, yeah. I'm young still. So I was pretty much a full-time cop. Not really, but on the book, on the money side and the hour side, it was. So I did that. And then Indian Hill test. And it was, I knew it was a job. And I knew a guy there who said, hey, you need to come out here. So I took the test. I get hired in 99. So I leave pretty much my blue-collar home of Norwood and where I'd been a cop for 10 years which is a rougher community. And I go to, you know, Golden Indian, Indian Hill. Hill. Yeah. And I had a way of doing things as a police officer in Golf Manor. And it, sometimes it was hands-on and it was rough and I got fights. And here I go to this place where it's not like that. Yeah. Now imagine the transition was very difficult. So I've, I just had, a, I think it was a, almost a prejudice or a predisposition to believe that the people there were all going to be like, Trying to think of a movie reference. Um, Caddyshack. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Judge Schmales. That's what I thought. Okay, <laughs> yeah. right? It's not like that. I I really thought they were all going to be like that because I just I didn't know. Yeah. Right? We all had that pregnant whatever. And I thought, oh, they're all going to have the white caps on and they're talk like him, you know? And I was scared to death. And uh, it turned out none of them were like that. They. Most were the nicest people in the world. Yeah, they're CEOs of companies and wealthy and doctors, but for the most part, the just normal like you, nice people, just wealthy, no different. Had the same problem we all have. Kids in schools, they got to worry about this and that and all that. And uh, it, I was like, oh my gosh, it's nothing like I expected, you know. Yeah, yeah there's a country club, but there's no. Carl Spackler running around shooting gophers. You know, <laughs> it was, uh, 
that was a huge eye-opener. So yeah, I'm glad you let me have, think about it. That was, that was huge for me. And then it really, and once I started talking to folks, realizing that all they wanted to do was be treated like regular human beings, because I think at work, you know, when you're a CEO at work, I imagine a lot of people kiss you behind and, yeah. and treat you like differently. But when a cop comes up and says, hey, how you doing? You know, it just treats you normal. Like I'm a boy from Norwood. I didn't try to, I have no reason to kiss their behind. I'm the police. I don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, you get to be, a, I'm friends with you, with some of them now because they just like, I really appreciate that Mike doesn't, he doesn't need anything from me and I really don't need anything from him. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe there's a lesson in that. Yeah. I mean, I think for sure the lesson there is just kind of like realizing that people are people. Exactly and I think right. it, exactly. it goes both ways. You talked about how now, like today, cops are kind of sometimes seen as, uh, what's the word? I don't know. There's villains. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some people might say that. I I wouldn't, but some people could say that, and I think it's important that people see you as a person. Well, they're dehumanized. Right. Yeah, exactly. Is what I think what they're using in the press now. Yeah. No, they are. And But the problem is, when you know, I always tell people, you haven't walked up and had to, you never had to tell somebody their child was dead. You never had to hold a child while he was dying. You never had to, you know, run into a burning building and pull out a body that had skin pulling off. When you have to do those things and then try to compartmentalize them to go home to your family, shut up is what I tell you. Yep. That's pretty much what I have to say to you because until you, you can't judge me until you do that. Yep. So, exactly. Yeah. Do we have, we have, we will, we have, we have one more question. Sure. Actually, before that, okay. uh, I don't, I said we're going to move into more uh, like your personal impact on the community. And sure. I think that's where we're headed chase. But on um, well, uh, what, like, do you watch any like cop shows and movies? Stuff you know like what? that. I've never been big on cop shows. I okay. try not, I try not to be, they definitely I don't want to be that ate up. I'm not that like, I never watched cops. Like I don't, I never yeah. watched reality cop shows. I yeah. Now. Yeah. They're real. Cause they're on TV. Now I don't know if some of it's made up or edit how much it's edited. Yeah. Right. I did when I was younger watch NYPD Blue. I loved it. Um, I thought it was well done. And now that I, I mean, obviously, here's here's what I need to say because if it's ever listened to by a Cincinnati cop, city of Cincinnati, all right, crime everywhere in certain districts, right? Yeah. Understaffed, underpaid, and way way overworked, and they're not supported by their administration, meaning the city government, correct? Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine having to go to work every day knowing that if I'm in a life and death situation, I'm not going to be supported by my government. And I mean, if somebody's got a gun and they point at me, do I want to have to shoot them? No, but I have to shoot them yeah. to save my life or someone else's. That's pretty much the training. And anybody with any common sense would say, well, yeah, even not being a cop, but that city government is going to, somebody's going to twist that into, well, couldn't you shoot him in the leg? Well, we've proven time and time again, under stress, your, your skills do not allow you to shoot someone in the leg. Yeah. You don't have that type of control. You have to shoot center mass to stop the threat. Getting out of that. Um, the, um, oh my gosh, now I lost my train of thought. I'm not angry now. Cop shows. Cop shows. So NYPD Blue. Um, I like Blue Bloods. What was the other one? I, oh, 
I like the ones that like have like the uh, there was a show on years ago and I just started watching it. The Mentalist. Have you ever heard of it? It's about this dude who was in faith. He was a psychic, but he's so he's kind of like a modern day Sherlock Holmes type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I like it where it's a little more intellectual, like where they okay. where they use yeah, just gotcha. the observation skills and stuff like that. But as far as cheesy cop stuff, what I want to watch is Brooklyn Nine Nine. 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 That's that's yeah. a good show. Yeah, I get clips occasionally. I'm telling you what, their captain. The uh, bald black guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. He is my favorite character of all time. <laughs> yeah. And then Adam Sandberg plays. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Adam oh Sandberg. man. So I'm going to start watching that next. Yeah, I mean, I, just, I had to ask that because yeah. no, my, my dad, you know, my dad, oh, it's yeah. one of his favorite shows is Hawaii Five-0. New, old or new? The new one. Did he ever tell him to watch the Awesome? Yeah. Which is, he, I'm going to take him out for his birthday next week. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, Hawaii Five-0 is a great show. Yeah, I just stopped watching. Mm -hmm. Good question. Right. Is this? Are we finally getting into this now? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. 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 <laughs> just, no, 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 you're good. The, the cop show question was needed. I feel like, but um, uh, this is kind of this is more about <laughs> Michael a little bit. Right. But he he told he told me that you were his basketball coach. I was. First of all, how good was Michael? Let's we we can get that out of the way. <laughs> I mean, I'm not good now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's in the beginning, I was a little worried. How yeah. many years were you on the team? I mean, how like I five? Lot. Yeah, probably around five, five or six. Yeah, Jeez. and it was, so we had different coaching staffs though. Mm -hmm. First, it was who was it the first year? It was me and uh, well, my dad was. Was it all me, me and your dad the whole time? I think it was. Yeah, and we might have had was, some assistant coaches kind of move in and out. And then it but, was. I remember Mr. Sparrowlock has stepped in yeah. one year to help because right. I had work or your dad had work. Yeah. But after like the second year, he became the uh, what? What? We're getting, Mr. We're getting to get an officer. Oh, Steiny. Steiny. Oh, you get in here. It's Steiny in here. Steiny. Well, hey, come in here. And be part of this. We're doing a podcast right now. Podcast. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so I'll tell the story. Um, so so Michael, after the second, he was a little awkward, wasn't really sure. All right, yeah. His no, shot was terrible. Wow. All right. We're talking <laughs> basketball. He was my basketball coach for a while. So <laughs> so his uh, so his third uh, his third year, he became. I think he got angry. Yeah. And okay. his third. Yeah. He was the best rebounder on the team. You put in the work, is what you're saying? He, I, I don't know. Either that or it was like the guy from Dodgeball. Remember when he got really angry when his wife was? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. All of a sudden, he is like, he was a monster. Yeah. And he was crushing the rebounds, offensive, defensive. And he was by far, and he was a, an unbelievable defender. And he was that way the rest of the time I coached. Now, I don't know. I'm going to ask you a question. Was I a good coach? Be honest. You wow. were. You were. I mean, you were. I mean, this probably comes from like a lot of hesitation. There. It's all law good. enforcement. You. T I mean, you and my dad took it very seriously. It felt yeah, like your dad took it more seriously than I did. When we were in that, I think we went to the finals one we year, oh, yeah. and I, that felt like like NCAA championship. Like I, I don't even know that. That was like whoa. You guys were in suits. It was only wore suits with yeah. orange ties. Yeah, yeah. I remember. <laughs> Mr. Sparrowlock was with us that year because we all had orange ties on. Yeah. yeah. No, he was uh, he really developed nicely, and uh, no, and he he took everything we said to heart. Unlike my son, who did not, yeah. and a lot of kids did not. Yeah. Um, but no, he was uh, he was hardcore. 
Yeah. All right. I mean, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we have two new guests on right now, Officer Steiny and Grace Dressel. How, how are you both doing right now? Um, I just got to go to class. Okay. Oh, well, it's yeah, great yeah, talking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going good, actually. You're doing good? See. All right. Yeah, good. We have a... Uh, you <laughs> can ask Steiny a few questions. Yeah, yeah Steiny, you, you want to get in on this? Yeah, All right. Yeah, I mean, what's just generally what's your experience been with with law enforcement? Like, kind of what's your past with that, and some of your experiences so far? Wow. Yeah, he he came into this. He was like, I'm not, I'm not gonna do anything. And then my last that question. Coming from where I started, I started in rough neighborhoods. I didn't have a, necessarily a fun experience. I mean, I was getting killed a few times and a lot of wow. duty stuff like that. Coming here to Loveland, it's a great yeah, great change for me and my family, but I like doing the school stuff now just because you meet so many different kinds of people. You got so many different spectrums that you see and deal with, and not everybody's the same. Makes days a lot interesting. It's not boring. That's what I like about it. Yeah, not boring. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. No. And I also coach here as well. I coach football and I coach baseball here as well. So I get to see them outside of here as well. They don't always see me as the cop. Yeah. Yeah. So that's nice. Yeah, All for right. sure. We, what do you have, Chase? I don't. I don't. Really <laughs> this is on the spot. I, I mean, that's, that, oh, yeah, we're trying to. I mean, I mean, we. You can talk about some of your like. We we're. I mean, Mr. We were, Dressler was talking about some of his stories. If you want to tell us a few, <laughs> you're, few you're your like, law enforcement stories, you're if like you want. Right on the spot. I mean, you don't have to. I mean, Mr. Dressler was talking about doing a joke off. Because I told him you used to be a stand-up comedian. And he was like, oh, maybe well, we do really a joke off, but he said you were stand up. I can, I mean, you I can't hate Russian you, you can, though. <laughs> I, saw the, I saw a picture. I mean, this is a podcast, this is all audio, so there's no way to prove it. But I, you're gonna put that as Stan, you're gonna put that as a thumbnail, a picture of you as a stand up. We'll put that as the thumbnail of the podcast. You, you <laughs> do your worst, you ain't got the cojones. <laughs> 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 that that actually was before I became a cop. I actually went out to California. I had you know I just I didn't want to be home. I wanted to experience stuff, so I loaded up my car and I drove. Did you I grow up here? I was born and raised in Cincinnati. Oh, okay. okay. So you left Cape Reading. Wow. Graduated high school, didn't know what I wanted to do. And I said, you know what? I'm just gonna go to California. There you go. I remember told my family, and they're like. Look, <laughs> packed up my car and I left. I actually didn't tell any of my friends goodbye. I didn't do nothing. My friends actually, I was gone about three, four months, and a friend of mine stopped my brother in the street and goes, Jake, all right, did he like die or something? And they go, what? So he's gone. He's in California. He lives He lives in L.A. now. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Went out there, and I actually got a job uh, working at a high school, and I I was just bored. You know, went up to Hollywood, you know, Hollywood Boulevard, and I saw open mic night. So. There I went, got up on stage, and there's like a thousand people in the crowd. I'm like, oh crap. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if I'm able to stay here or not. <laughs> Did my little five, six minute routine and made fun of myself for a while. And I got off stage, the guy says, You want to come back? I was like, Okay. <laughs> I guess I will. I did voice acting, stuff like that. So, you know, you can change your voice through things and kind of. <laughs> what are you saying over here? You can change your voice? What are you talking about? Hey, don't, don't stop. Don't, 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 don't Where are we? We're in New York right, right now. What happened? I'll take you out like two seconds. Like, for instance, today, kid came in dressed as Mickey today, and I walked in like, oh, the ears aren't working right. And just stuff like that. And it was fun. You didn't make a lot of money, but. I was spending time in Hollywood and I was, we actually met celebrities and got to see wow. stuff and 
there's actually commercials that they air where they do like Kermit the Frog stuff and it doesn't sound like their voice. That actually might be me. Wow. It actually Whoa. might be they, they put us they in the booth. They keep that. They, they bring yeah. you in. They sit you down and say, just do what voices you know and here's your scripts and we do it. Like, I do like Kermit the Frog. Dude, <laughs> stuff like what? that. And they would say, do we have your permission to use this? Because if they don't want to pay that actor millions of dollars to do a 30 second commercial, they'll take me. Yeah. They'll take my sound bite and put it in there. And that's what happens. Yeah, they do that a lot. So, so you might actually hear me. That's <laughs> crazy. That is insane, bro. So what what uh, what made you make the switch from <laughs> voice acting voice to actor police to I, I mean, that's... I wasn't I wasn't having a lot of fun with it. It was very hard. Yeah. There'd be nights where I wouldn't eat dinner because you don't make money. I'm living by myself out there. I was living with a friend, but they were never there. They were never home. So I'm like, I miss my family. I miss everything. I ended up getting injured. Uh, at, at football practice, I got hurt and I almost lost my foot. And I was like, you know what? I can't do this no more. I, I, I'm not working. So I, my parents paid for my dad paid for my flight back home. I came home and I actually did ride alongs with the LAPD when I was out there. And I was like, eh, this is kind of fun. As a kid, I never wanted to be a cop. As funny as it sounds, I was like, I don't, that wouldn't be for me. But then I saw it and I was like, okay. So joined the police academy and there it was. And I actually use my humor in my job. If you can't have fun with it, you can't, you won't survive this job. If you yes. can't find some kind of humor in it. We have, he can tell you, he's done around longer than me. There's cops that this is their life 24 seven and they get what's called burnout and they don't make it. Yeah. They don't, yeah. they don't. And once they retire, they don't know what to do with their lives. Me, I know what I'm doing. I go off courses soon to be nice. I'll just go hang out at those. <laughs> But that's that's what we do. That's why I do. That's why I act the way I act. And for me, in schools, I, I had this funny kid ask me the other day, like, "Why do you why do you act the way you act?" Growing up, I only had a I only had a dad. My mom left us at an early age, so I had I didn't have a very good childhood. I don't want that for any kid in this building. I don't want them to have a bad experience as a child because that could ruin you if you don't find an exit. So that's why I have the humor. That's why I don't take things seriously until I need to. That's why all day, all day. I agree. And I will be a clown until it's time to not be. So if somebody came in here to try to hurt you guys, no more clown. But until that moment, I have fun with this. There's no point in being mean and rude all day. All day. And if more cops did exactly like he does, and I do, we'd it'd be different. A much better, yeah. yeah. Different looking. He's look. exactly right. So. Nice. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else. Uh, I, I don't have anything to add. So that 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 this is gonna be your best podcast ever. I mean, that was Wait, honestly. I thought he's coming. In. I mean, that was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. this is great. Yeah. He's, he's portraying me wrong. I'm gonna find <laughs> and then Rocco comes by. You never know. A kneecap misses. Fingers gone. Oh, it's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Is that it? <laughs> that is it. I, wow. <laughs> that, that was fantastic. I'm the, Thank you very much, both of you. you. No both problem. You. I'm glad I walked through this. Yeah. That was great. Oh, man. So I hear you need me for something. Thank you for listening to episode six of the new season of Barring Business with me and Michael. Wow, that was a, a trip we just went on here. I mean, we brought in some guests. I mean, we brought, I mean, Grace Dressel was in here at some point. Steiny came in. It was I mean, all a blur. It I was really all blur. Happened. I'm not really sure what happened in the last 20 minutes, but we'll, I mean, if you're, if you've made it to here, you know what happened in the last 20 minutes. So um, we're just kind of here to kind of just uh, 
what we do a recap what yeah, happened we can recap a little bit what happened in the last episode so we talked to Mr. Dressel, um, just about law enforcement and skills he's used in that and his eye-opening experiences uh, with that as well. Uh, we talked about him being Michael's basketball coach, and that's where the conversation kind of turned a little comedic. And uh, then we brought uh, Officer Stein in. If you don't know him, he's the uh, resource officer at, at Loveland High School, and he's a uh, – wow, is he a treat to have on. I mean, bro, he, he's like Seth MacFarlane out here with the voice impressions. <laughs> It's absolutely insane, and then we kind of just we kind of just had like a a casual like six seven minute conversation, yeah, about kind of just life. I mean, yeah. Stiney's experience. Stiney, They both had very similar things to say. Kind of like they they, they take their job seriously when they have to, but it's also important. They they experience a lot of heartache and a lot of sad yeah, exactly, things right. in, in their job, so it's good to kind of lighten it up a little bit. Yeah, and that's exactly. I mean, that's what that's what Stiney said at the end, right? I mean, he said that. You know, if, if you if you're not having fun at uh, at this job, you're not doing it right. Exactly. And and, and Mr. Dressel uh, earlier in the episode said that you need to right treat this job with optimism. If and if you don't, you're not going to survive in this business. So it's almost it's almost the same message. And I feel like that's not necessarily a cop thing. I feel like that's a real life thing. A, a global real life thing. That so a little budding business therapist advice column for you going on here, but. We, again, we appreciate you guys listening and we hope to see you next time.